Yeah, um, a couple of things. I mean, I'd say a couple of the biggest investments would be joining a mastermind, putting yourself in the position to be, uh, you know, communicating with, with other people that are at the same or above level than you. Welcome to the Real Construction Owners Podcast, where we interview real construction owners doing big things to help you grow your business in all aspects. Today, we have a special guest, Brandon and Aaron Brookins, owners of Brookins Construction. They are crushing it. 19 plus million dollars this year. How are you doing today, guys? Doing great, man. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Welcome to the show. Tell us your story before we get into the, the goods. You know, how'd this get started? What were y'all doing? How'd y'all find construction? Go back in memory lane a little bit. Well, I guess I'll start uh, with this. So um, I, I was going to school, uh, going to a university in Wisconsin and got my first bill after the first semester. And I was like, man, that's a lot of money. I haven't even declared a major yet. I don't know what I want to do. So I started calling friends from high school and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? And one of my buddies was like, I work for a roofing company and I, I'm like, oh man, that sounds terrible. Just about hung up on him. And he's like, oh no, I'm not like building the roofs. I'm selling the roofs. I was like, oh, I think, you know, like I think of one of my football coaches told me I'd be good in sales or something like, you know, what are you doing? What are you making? And then went down. That was like a kind of a national uh, storm restoration company. So went down to Florence, Kentucky uh within a couple months i'm like you know 18 years old within a couple months i was like i can do this i'm gonna start my own company came home started a company uh crashed a truck broke broke my leg so couldn't really climb on roofs run a company i, I wouldn't have been able to run this company had i not crashed this truck and broke my leg so uh so that kind of put a halt to it but i always kind of you know i i like i like the industry i i saw an opportunity to kind of go above and beyond i'm like there's a lot of money here and i like i think these guys are just kind of slapping these crews on these projects and not really giving too many craps about you know what's going down they're just kind of piling it all up i'm like if i, I think there's enough money where you can pay attention and add some value here i think there's an opportunity so i always kept my eye on it and uh you know a couple of years after that i i got so we're, we're from wisconsin uh we live in wisconsin operate our business in wisconsin so you know, uh, found, you know, a smaller company in Wisconsin and got back into the industry, kind of always having that idea that we were going to, you know, we were going to do this. I was going to uh, start this business. And it's, it's, uh, you know, after I've been talking to him about it the whole time, right. I'm like, man, we can do this. So several years have gone by and I'm still having this same conversation with him, just a broken record at this point, you know? So one day yeah. he's just like, man, like, I'm so tired of hearing about this stupid roofing business that you keep talking about. Just, just shut up about it. Like, I don't want to hear anything more about it. It didn't piss me off. It was just what I needed. He like hung up on me. I stayed up all night that night. I remember just like research, figuring out, like, I'm determined now. So he got it he off poked the ground. You. He poked you into, into action. Yeah. In the right spot. Yep. Pissed me right off. So, right on. So go ahead. Go ahead about a year after that he so just kind of a weird other part to the story I, I'd been diagnosed with a brain tumor so 
um, it, it was, it was a benign tumor. It wasn't cancer, but it was a big operation. Like it ended up being a 13 hour open brain surgery. So in Brandon at the time, um, had a really uh, secure job, you know, benefits, really healthy salary, everything like that. So it was kind of like, we had, we had talked about this and, and planned for it. Like, you know, like get through this first year, get through this surgery. And then, you know, and then I'll join the business with you. And I knew when that day came that we'd be all right. If I could just get through that whole first year by myself, if I could get Brandon behind it, we'd be all right. And here we are, you know, I got through the surgery. I got through that first year. I had a bunch of, I had a basically like no records, just like I screenshotted him the checking account one day. And that was like the record, like of it being a successful first year, but like no, like crumpled up contracts in the back of the truck, like no QuickBooks, no anything, just a mess really. So he came in, really uh, organized the business and, you know, still to this day is always focusing on uh, new processes, uh, you know, implementing structure to the business and that's what's really kind of made it scalable, I think. That is incredible. You know, there's some things to unpack there. You, we avoid, we, we go after pleasure or we avoid pain. And in your situation, you avoided pain. You were like, man, I'm sick and tired of this. And it puts you into high gear for you and your brother to succeed. My brother and I are business partners as well. So it's cool to see another dynamic duo crushing it. Now, I'm curious about you guys. What's one of the best moments you've ever had in your entire life? The entire life, huh? Entire life. Like when you were surfing down an epic wave or climbing a massive mountain and you saw, uh, you know, there's bald eagle flying over you. Like what's one of your best moments that you can go to and tell us about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be oriented around my family, honestly. Um, probably either getting married I mean, I was, I was super emotional during the wedding and <laughs> broke down, uh, you know, and I, I didn't even, I didn't anticipate that at all. I'm just like, you know, the wives, they like to spend a year to plan the wedding and get everything, you know, all ready and perfect. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm just going to go up there on, you know, on the, on the stage or whatever and get married. And man, when it hit, it like hit me like a ton of bricks and I just broke down uncontrollably. I was like sobbing up there and misspeaking even the words like that the, the person's telling me to say and I'm like tongue tied and super nervous. Um, just just overcome with emotion. I'd say either my wedding day or any one of my four kids being born. I mean, those are miracles in and of themselves. So that's beautiful. What about you, Aaron? So definitely, you know, those, the, the kids being born, I remember the first time the doctor, you know, held or uh, handed me our first daughter, our oldest daughter. And it was like in that moment, like every part about my existence changed. But when you first asked the question, I got to admit, the first thing that came to my mind was that ride home from Gatlinburg, Brandon, yeah. like not because like I put, you know, business or anything in front of my family or anything. So let me back up. So we, we go down to RoofCon. Uh, so RoofCon, big, you know, big conference and, and Hunter Baloo, if you've heard the name. So we go down, go down there. I meet Hunter, like spend like 30 seconds with him out on the floor. And I'm like, wait, you put this thing on like what? And he kind of just, you know, in 
less than a minute, I think. He's just like, oh, yeah, no, this is what I did. This is what I did. And I'm like, just mind blown. I'm like, what? This is crazy. And I think I remember even telling Brandon after that conversation at RoofCon, I'm like, dude, he just told me way too much in like a minute. Like, this is crazy. Like, I, I got to lean into this guy. And then like a couple months later, we see this ad come through for this free retreat uh, down in Gatlinburg. And I'm like, man, like it's free. So, you know, there's going to be a pitch or something. But dude, like I think even with what I took from him in like a minute, like we got to go to this. And he was on board. So we went down there and, you know, the whole retreat was just like getting down and dirty about like what we're doing here and what our why is and, you know, how, uh, having impact on others and finding true fulfillment. Uh, for ourselves so that we can then, you know, kind of show other people the light and lead them to true fulfillment because like the money just wasn't doing it anymore for us. Like we'd set a revenue goal, we'd hit it. We'd set it a little further, we'd go and hit it. And the process to get there was, was fun and rewarding, but we had, you know, you always have this destination in mind that like, once you just get here, it's going to be completely different. So I just, I'll never forget that ride home. Uh, Brandon and I both went went all in at that retreat and really opened up and learned a ton about ourselves, a ton about, you know, areas that we needed to improve in. And so on that ride home, you know, it was, I don't know, 15 hours or something. We just, I don't think we turned the radio on once. We didn't listen to any audibles, nothing. It was just a back and forth conversation between my brother and I. And it was just a beautiful thing. Like we had never been that deep in conversation before in all of our lives. So just like, knowing how that was going to transform me, not just in business, but at home and better father, better husband, better friend. So that was like a really pivotal moment in my life and definitely up there on one of the, one of the highs. Man, that's beautiful. You know, so many construction business owners, they folk, they have it a little backwards. They know the priority should be God or spirit, wife, kids, and then business, but they focus on business, kids, wife, and then, you know, their spirit. And it's awesome that you invest in yourself. And when you do that, that's when we, when we develop ourself, that's when we can fill our cup more. Because like you said, when you hit those revenue goals, it's like you, we need to give back and impact more. So thanks for sharing that story. I'm curious, you guys look like you're cool dudes. You got some, you got a deer in the back. What are some fun things you guys like to do? Yeah, so um, I, I enjoy hunting. Um, I, I like to, uh, you know, ride machines. I just got my first Ranger uh, earlier this year. So I've been thinking around that. I like to work on stuff. You know, I've always been the kind of guy to take stuff apart, put it back together, see how it works. Um, you know, going on trips with the family, taking, taking the team on trips, uh, you know, renting out a cabin and having our own kind of version of what we experienced down in Gatlinburg with, with Hunter and, and the Revolt team, we kind of brought that home and, and said, hey man, like the way that, that that makes you feel is something that we want everybody on the team to feel. And so we've almost like just cloned it really, uh, but it's just as effective and people take a lot away from it. So that that's really fulfilling. I mean, I, I, I consider that like a passion more than a hobby really nice nice but let's switch gears a little bit i'm curious as as success happens we start to accumulate wealth and we're talking to business owners people who have a seven and eight figure net worth what are some things that you guys have invested in that have surprised you 
Yeah, um, <clears throat> a couple of things. I mean, I'd say a couple of the biggest investments would be Revolt, joining a mastermind, putting yourself in the position to be, uh, you know, communicating with, with other people that are at the same or above level than you. And uh, just really having the same focus, right? Like we've all got the same goals. We all know the secret sauce that it's not the money, it's the impact. So it, I wouldn't even call that surprising. You know, we weren't surprised that that worked. I guess as well as it worked. And just like when that light bulb switched, like that's the secret sauce, man. Um, that's a big one. Another one was um, an investment to, to bring marketing in-house. Um, I've got a really good friend, pretty much, you know, lifelong friend that had been doing media marketing and stuff like that as a career. She went to school for it and uh, just had a conversation with her one day about possibly coming to work with us and helping us build the marketing. And uh, I mean, it's an absolute game changer. I mean, you can pay all these different companies that don't know anything about your business as much money as you want. There is no limit to the amount of money they can take from you and not get the results that we've seen with just having somebody that knows us, knows our business, knows the people, the processes, everything about it, and is able to really take that story and, and share it with the world. So that's that's been a huge, um, like profitable investment from a business standpoint. I'm curious about that, uh, bringing your marketing in-house. What are some strategies? Obviously, she's the marketing girl, but what are some strategies that you know she's doing for your business to generate new opportunities? What do you think, Eric? So she's really heavy in uh, social media marketing and, and Google. And, um, I, you know, I think a lot of people are doing the same thing that she's doing. Um, you know, she's got, she's got the landing page with some, some video content on there, like multiple different ones where, you know, it's a, like this message uh, for this particular type of the audience, maybe this, this message for, you know, the part of the audience where their claim might've been denied on the initial inspection by insurance. We do a ton of insurance work. Um, so I think just like, and I have a lot of conversations with Megan about, you know, just where the market might be at today, one month after the storm versus 11 months after the storm. So just kind of talking to her about what I'm getting. Um, I, I, I lead from the front. Um, so I'm out there in the field. I'm, you know, I'm managing my own book of business uh, along with the, the sales manager and the, the rest of the sales force. So I really get firsthand experience on, you know, the, the market and where they're at. So I think it's just being particular, not just casting a broad net, but specifically like, what do these want to, people want to hear? And then she, she knows how to effectively deliver on that. I can do that door to door. I can do that when a lead's in front of me in person, but she can do that to 50,000 people in a week. That you know, that is that is very high quality information right there. You you're basically when you're marketing, you're talking about being specific to your audience and recognizing that your message may be different one month after the storm versus seven months after the storm, because you in the field can do that at the door, but your marketer she can take the video content, geo target the areas, and deliver that. That's that's very good information. I want you to tell us your best success 
secret in your business that's enabled you to go to almost $20 million this year? Yeah. So I, I think honestly, what, what the biggest secret is and the, the most enabling thing that's allowed us to actually not just sell it, but also build it and collect it is the systems, man, the systems that we have, like we have so many automations and, and, and processes that happen just as a result of something else happening that carry the workload. I mean, because we, we really only have like 28, 29 people and, and really 25 because we just hired a few new ones. So talking 25 people doing almost $20 million worth of revenue, uh, you have to have, like we have Zapier set up where, gosh, I think it's doing like 20,000 zaps a week or something like that. And so if, if you convert that and say, well, that's just, you know, even for one minute per task, which a lot of these are like things that used to take 15, 20, 30 minutes a piece to do. But if you just said one minute per per task in 20,000, I mean, think of all the hours. There's not enough hours in the day for a human to complete that stuff. So that's really been a huge step to being able to actually do this successfully, not just get a bunch of contracts and have a bunch of customers that are pissed off. Like we're, we're growing our, our reputation and our, you know, our, our Google reviews and, and people love us because we're doing a great job at it. So I think like the technology, leveraging technology has been really some secret sauce for us. Okay. We're going to unpack that a little bit. If you could unpack your systems and the technology that you have. So that way somebody who's at five to 10 million is like, man, I need to do that. Yeah. So, you know, I think it, it's important that you understand that, you know, the way that we do it, I think is a little bit different than the way that most storm contractors do it. So most storm contractors, at least in our experience and in our market is you have this project manager, right? That's the sales rep. He's the supplementing team. He's invoicing, he's managing the build, he's running to get materials. So you have this guy that's really good at one thing or another, but probably not very good at everything that he needs to be at. So, and when, and we both worked for different contractors that we were that jack of all trade guy on, right? Um, and we, we both knew that when this business started, it wasn't gonna be that way because in any other industry, it's not that way. You have sales reps and then you have customer satisfaction. You have an office, right? You have an estimating department. You have, you know, specific departments for each process. And so we do that where we have the sales rep that they'll, they'll meet the adjuster, right? And, and get the contract signed. But then once they get the ink, as long as everything is documented the way it should be, they're, they're not really gonna talk to that customer again unless they wanna go back and get a referral or something like that. From there, it comes into the office. The office is building out the material orders, which are now automated, building out work orders, which are automated. They're building out all the scheduling and the, the calendars, right? And then everybody shows up on build day. And that's another set of guys, another team. We have a dedicated project manager that's been trained on how to install the shingles. They know what to look for. You know, they're driving company vehicles around and making sure that these jobs are getting done the way that the sales rep promised that it would. And then from there, it comes back into the office and we bill it and collect it. So, you know, some of the technology that we use, like one of the, one of the big things I think that helps our sales reps like have such success is that when they go out and do an inspection, we're getting these customers a damage report, right? It's a, you know, 
10 to 15 or 20 page, depending on the size of it, PDF document that has definitions, explanations, pictures of everything that they're seeing. And whereas before, that would be something that the sales rep would start doing at 10 o'clock at night and finish at two or three in the morning. Now they literally change a status on our CRM and it takes all those pictures, throws it into a template. It knows, you know, what needs to be said. You know, we're pulling in customer information. So it's very personalized that the customer doesn't know that it's automated, but with the click of a button, now these guys are able to do 15 to 20. I think we are, we did 31 day inspections between Aaron and I, that's, that's a game changer. Um, so talk so, about Zapier because it's yeah. like, you know, the and idea want, of automating. And I want to know also about your damage report and your CRM. What CRM does that create the damage report or is that like sumo quote or something different? It's separate. So we kind of have like a whole suite of technology, but everything is at, at the moment centralized through job Nimbus. Yep. Um, and so we have Zapier that connects a whole bunch of different stuff. We use um, company cam has always been one of my favorites, just super simple, super effective. Um, we use hover for 90% of stuff and Eagle view for the other 10%. Um, what creates that damage report, I think is a, a different program called like doc parser or doc Raptor or something. Megan knows a lot more about that, but that's what actually takes all the pictures that are in the file at that time. And throws them into a PDF file, renames it, reformats it, and makes it look good, and emails it to the customer. Nice, nice. Okay, and then he was, your brother was mentioning Zapier. What are some, like 20,000 Zaps, somebody who doesn't know what Zaps is, what does that mean, and yeah. how's that beneficial to your company and the growth of it? Yeah, so a Zap is just basically an automation, and Zapier is, as far as I know, they're like the biggest kind of, it's basically like a connector, right? So if you have like with job Nimbus or whatever CRM a contractor might be using, there's undoubtedly some integrations that are built in where you can connect your company cam, you can connect EagleView, you can connect to your supplier, whatever. Well, what Zapier does is allows you to connect things that don't necessarily have an integration. It, it kind of opens it up. And we also work with this other company called Get You Wired, where they're just a bunch of programmers. Like even if Zapier can't do it, they're going in, they're writing code, they're building like what needs to be done on the back end that I have no idea what it is, but they make it work. So, um, you know, Zapier. Wow. wow, Aaron, you have something special here, brother. You've got, you're like, you're the face, you're the go-getter, and then you've got a real smart tech wizard in the background. Y'all, you guys are, a, like I said, a dynamic duo. That's, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. And honestly, I can't even take the credit. So the marketing girl, Megan, that we brought in, built the ads and everything. And then I told her when she first started, I'm like, Megan, I don't know where you're really going to fit in after we get the marketing piece down. Because obviously a lot of that is, for the most part, you, you get the content, you build the video, you build your campaigns, and then you kind of set them up to run on active campaign or whatever. I said, I don't really know where I'm going to fit you in. But as long as you're open to kind of me just throwing stuff at you, you'll be fine. Well, she got, you know, done with some marketing stuff. She's like, hey, I got some time. I'm like, well, this is something that I've been meaning to do for a while. Why don't you just take this? And she took it and had the, you know, the focus and the dedication and the ability to get it done. And she did it better than I could have ever done it because I'm just, I'm too busy with everything else. So it, it was really just amazing the way that she ran with it. 
growing a construction company to, you know, to five to 10 to 10 to 15, 20 plus million requires putting the right people in place, having the right processes, and just being a master at delegation and getting stuff off your table. Let's talk about the people in your business. You mentioned you have marketing, you have production, you have accounting or operations. Can you paint a picture of how your company operates efficiently? Yeah, so uh, we kind of took this from result as well. Um, another return on the investment from the mastermind, but it's a business operating system called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And, you know, we've kind of taken the broad uh, idea and made it our own, but basically it's, it's a top-down type of structure where you have a visionary and an integrator. So Aaron's a visionary. He's got all the crazy ideas, but you know, he's busy, he's, he's not organized. And then you have the integrator where I'm like, not as creative, but I'm able to say, well, hey, that's a really cool idea. And if we did this, this and that, that could actually work. Or no, dude, that's super crazy. Like get rid of that, that's a terrible idea. So I'm like a filter, right? But then you have visionary integrator. And then from there, we have our leadership team. We call it our EOS team. So we've got a, a head of production. We've got a head of the office. We've got the head of marketing and we've got the, the head of sales. And then from there underneath them is, you know, depending on the size of the team beneath them, there might be team leads. We really don't want any one person managing more than three to five people directly because you just can't do it effectively. Um, so but yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned the people because that's a huge piece that, that just gets overlooked. Like we have awesome people and it's, it's kind of funny because over the years we've had lots of different people in lots of different places. But as you grow, as you learn, as you have more revenue to bring more people on and pay them better or invest more into the, the stuff that they're using, right? You, It's like kind of just upgrading like the Sims or something like you're building this house and now you've got wow, like Ashley in the office, she's a total boss. Like she's takes ownership of everything. Like and, and stuff that you can't even ask people. Like you can, we made the mistake one time. We'll wait for that. Yeah, but, we're about to get into some expensive lessons after you finish this. So okay. hold that. Yeah, but you know, and like uh, my guy Trey that's running production, like managing all the project managers underneath him, like just, having the right people that get it and that want it and they're capable of it in the right seats is, is it's huge. Like you can't do it without your team. And we figured that out really quick at about that $5 million mark. It's like, I can't do all this anymore by myself. And the same for Aaron. So now it's time to start delegating. And the rule of thumb is if somebody can do it 80% as good as you can give it to them, let them run with it. And you'll be surprised because a lot of times it's like, wow, just that fresh perspective like i never thought of that that's a great idea man thank you like let's do it now let's dive into project managers and trucks you train these project managers do they have a company truck how do you protect your company besides having good insurance from liabilities so we've got brookings university another uh, idea that came to us through revolt but basically we uh we recorded a ton of content uh, for the office positions that we we've used loom to kind of record the process and like how to create a material order how to change the status how to do literally everything that could need to be done in the business that's a protective measure because if i disappear and i know everything and nobody else knows how to do it 
what are they going to do? They're going to have to start from scratch. So I really feel like that was uh, some cheap insurance. And I, I got to throw this in there because I think it's really important. If anybody wants to do that, record every process of their job, which they should, because if you expect somebody to do it, then you need to lay it out really, really clearly for them on exactly what you want them to do. Because if they don't do it, then how can you be mad at them? But I got super overwhelmed when I set out to do that. I'm like, all right, every process that I do is getting recorded, organized, put into you know folders, and it's going to be accessible to whoever needs it. And I'm like, okay, so I'll just write the whole process out, and then I'll get recording it. And it was daunting, man. Like I couldn't even think. And I got the phone ring, and I got people coming in, emails, checks, payroll, blah blah blah. So then it clicked. It, and it, when I switched my perspective, everything came together. But I'm like. Why am I worried about putting this structure together right now and then recording it? Why don't I just go to work, do the things that I always do and record it in the process? Like, hey, I got to do payroll. Actually, let me start the recorder, get the screen on, boom. All right, in this video, I'm going to show you how to, re how to start doing payroll. And then when I'm done, stop it, label it, throw it in the folder. I'll come back and organize it later. So that was, I, I think if you're going to do it, that's the best way to do it, especially if you're a business owner and you're in the business you know, running things on your own, like, don't worry about laying it all out right, right away. Just start recording everything that you do. You can organize it later. And that transitioned into other, into, hey, Ashley, when you're doing that, can you just loom that? Yep. Or, hey, sales manager, when you're doing that, can you just loom that? So other, you know, the people that are in your business and they already know what they're doing, it's, it's like Brandon said, it's not as, as daunting as it, as it might seem initially. You're already doing everything. You just need to start documenting it because the new people that come in, you know, we, we sometimes you, you'll spend a, several months just having them shadow you or, you know, working with them very closely for several weeks. But if, you know, people are already doing it anyway, just, just loom it, throw it in the huh. training. That is fire dropping bombs right there. We, we implemented that for our business as well. And it's helped us, it's helped me not have to be in Austin, Texas anymore. I live in Costa Rica and I, you know, I'm an owner of a large construction company. So thank you for sharing that. That's something that I forgot that owners need to know. So let's change, change it up a little bit. What's an expensive lesson that you guys have learned that was painful? Like, oh, it costs a lot of money. And you were just like, oh, why didn't we see those red flags? You got to hit them with the first one. Because it's, it's funny looking back at it now, because it really wasn't a big deal. You want to tell yeah, us? Let, let us have it. All right. All right. So it's like, I think it's the second year in business. So Brennan, Brennan, Brennan's first year. So this is 2016. And uh, we just had, you know, a bad situation. It really was a bad customer because I think if I remember right, like they were white windows because you know when you're first starting like right now we, we're only doing roofing and gutters but you know in that second year we were we would redo someone's kitchen if they asked us to it didn't matter any work you know more revenue great so we're into this window project we're replacing all the windows on the house and the guy wants white windows and white extension jams and white trim he's just going for the white window look interior so we don't, we don't clarify this. We just order poplar. Um, cause that's what you do with white. Like you, you wouldn't do, you wouldn't do oak, uh, jams and trim and then paint it. Like that'd be stupid. You would just do pop. Well, this guy was under the standing that, you know, under the understanding that we were going to do solid oak. 
all solid wood painted white. So it was like, I think we lost like eight grand on this window deal. And we were like, totally and utterly dismay. We were like, our business is going under, man. We don't know if we're going to survive this thing. Like we were just stressing so hard. So what, so lesson, that did you learn? what lesson did you learn in that scenario? Just being more thorough about, you know, setting proper expectations, documenting everything. Having customers sign off on actual materials as well, I'm sure. Yeah. The more detailed, the better. We're still working on becoming more detailed, just even with a roof. Like, open, like, I think we just added something to the contract. On This is a thing about scaling the business, too, that we really kind of overlooked. But, like, what, you know, if you're at the $3 million mark, the $5 million level, like, and you have, you know, say 5%, you know, callbacks or issues. Well, you know, on a hundred jobs, it, you know, it's, it's five jobs. It's not that big of a deal. Well, turn that into a thousand jobs. And now, now it is a big deal. So it's same, still the same percentage. It seems to us like, oh my gosh, like this is going crazy. This seemed like a small problem, but now it's this huge problem, but you do the math. It's the same exact percentage. It's just that, you know, the scalability of it makes it seem like a much bigger problem, but we just changed something in the contract to, <clears throat> this is one of those things, the overhang uh, on the shingles, on the rake edge, like we're giving customers the option now, because if we do it to, you know, shingle manufacturer recommendations, they want it, what, in an inch and a quarter or something in an inch. Quarters, yeah. And then if we do that, the customer will complain that their neighbors is flush. If we do it flush, the guy will come out and say, shingle, I read their directions and they want that over overhang. So now we're giving them the option. And you know, there's going to be something in the future that we come up with. And I like to say that if we don't give customers the option, we're, we, we become an option because you never know what it is that your competitors coming up with, you know, to what their selling point is. So just the more options that I can throw at a customer we found has really uh, increased our closing ratio. That's very, very good information, guys. You, you're adapting to the, what you're hearing from your customers from past painful experiences. So you don't have to experience those painful experiences again or have those retarded conversations again by just putting it in your, con your contract. Love that. Now, I'm sure you've had another expensive lesson, Brandon, from the operations side that you can share that was painful, that costs a lot of money, that puts stress in your heart. You're like, oh my God, I never want to do that again. What do yeah. you got? I got, I mean, tons of them, man. Like, honestly, there's been so many mistakes that we've made that have cost money. Um, that's how you learn. That's how you know you're never going to do that again. And you build a system around it to ensure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, to come to mind is uh, we had just the bonehead idea, like probably five or six years ago that, um, if we want somebody really good in the business that's really going to come in here and turn things around and do a great job, then we just got to pay them a whole bunch of money. So, I mean, we're doing two, three million bucks a year. And we hire this guy who is our banker. We're like, hey, man, we'll give you $80,000 to just come in here and, uh, you know, be awesome. And it was terrible. It was a disaster. I mean, the guy had no idea what he's doing because we didn't give him anything. We just said, come in here and make it great for us. And so, we wound up having to kind of sit him down and say, Hey, look, man, like this isn't working out. He actually said, well, let me go sell. And he sold for a month or two and then he left. But, um, you know, obviously we nipped it in the bud. We didn't pay him $80,000 over the course of a year, but still, I mean, an $80,000 salary is costing you three, four grand a month. 
before you realize it. So uh, another and, one. He would have been a good employee too, like super qualified candidate, just terrible leadership and no direction. But he would have been a great fit if we- We live and learn. Yep. There's a saying that says, sometimes we win and sometimes we learn. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate I'm curious. I'm curious about the best process that you're most proud of in your company. Damage report automation over here from the sales. Oh, I fought that so hard too. That's something I want to share. Like, you know, when you're doing it your way for so long and then new people come into the business, it's hard to just say, okay, yeah, let's give it a shot. I fought that damn damage report automation so hard. I'm like, that'll never work. And it's going to give them too many photos. We need to do this. What if this happens? What if that happens? And I fought it. I was like the last person in the company to actually use it. And I just remember when I finally got like 10 damage reports out in like two minutes and I called Megan right away and I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry. Like you were right. This is the way. So, so y'all take the photos and then you, when you're sitting with the homeowner, you send them the report. So they actually have it instead of just showing it on the phone on company cam. Is that is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah it's basically exactly. like packaged with a bowl ready to send to insurance. It's got the date of loss on it. It's got, you know, what we're seeing as far as you've got damaged shingles, you've got collateral damage on, you know, your, your vents or whatever. So it's, it's literally a, a thing that they can send right to their adjuster. And actually a lot of times what will happen is we'll send that to the customer. They'll send that either to their agent or to the adjuster and the adjuster will just write an estimate without ever being on site. They'll take our work and use it as, I mean, he's just going to come out and do the same thing. Right. So it's, it's been very efficient. That's, that's one scenario. I want to add something to this because like that's in a perfect world, right? In a perfect world, your homeowner will respond to the email and say, thank you. I got it. And the next day they'll say, well, my insurance adjuster approved this, but like, that's not the majority. Like that doesn't happen all the time. So why I really like the damage report is for the amount of times that I get to touch the customer. So I don't send it, like, I don't send the damage report right away during that first inspection meeting. We go there, we do the inspection. So that's, we touch them there. We make our impression. Then the next day they get the damage report. Then the day after that, we call them for no other reason than to just verify that they received the damage report e email. Even though I know that they received it because Job Nimbus tells me that they received it and they opened it. I'm not just gonna stop there. I'm still gonna call them to touch them a third time in those first three days. And then from there, you know, uh, maybe half the time they'll call us a week or two later and, and say, hey, my adjusters come in on this day. Great. But if they don't call um, a week after that third time we've touched them, we're going to call them again and just um, make sure that that we're not missing the adjustment because it's really important. We don't do contingency agreements. We kind of do the opposite. Like we want them to want us there. So our pitch is like, look, you need somebody to meet with your insurance adjuster. It's very important to have someone there to represent you. I'm willing to do it. You're not obligated to hire my company just because I meet your insurance adjuster, but I'm willing to be here. Now, if I make it to that insurance adjuster meeting, now that's the fourth time, you know, I'm touching them or fifth because they're calling me with the adjuster meeting, but you know, I'm, I'm out there again. Now it's like, I gained this subconscious indebtedness for 
number one, I'm not pushy. There might be other people that they're talking to. They're like, oh, just sign this. We'll handle everything. Just sign this. And I'm there and I'm like, don't sign any contingency agreement. You should be trying to identify who can provide the best value possible within the claim amount. I'm willing to earn your business the old fashioned way. Give me a shot. By default, anyone else that's asking them to sign something, they're not signing it. They're just going to have me there. They're not obligated to anything. They can back out at any moment. Well, I get, you know, our closing ratios are really good. That's very, very interesting. So many people will debate that topic right there, but it sounds like it's working out for you guys. So kudos to you guys. Hey, let's, before we wrap this up, curious, how are you scaling your business? Recruiting. Recruiting. Are you doing that through Facebook ads? You're doing that through Indeed? Do you have an agency you're hiring? Talk to us about that process. So Megan's doing that in-house. Uh, it's probably a pretty similar campaign to the uh, the campaigns we're running to our customers. You know, it's where there's B-roll of, you know, us at a retreat or anything. We want to, you know, I think a lot of people just want camaraderie and they want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, so we really want to put that out there. Like this is a family and we're focused on becoming the best versions of ourselves. We make good money too. You know, the compensation snuck in there. Um, we do, we try to hire W2 employees with a, a heavy salary and a small commission that grows as their uh, sales grow, but she's just running digital marketing campaigns. Yeah. Indeed. Facebook, Google. Curious. You just said something I don't hear very often. So you're hiring sales reps to come in as a W2 with a small commission. Can you unpack that a little bit? Cause ev everything we hear is commission and they get like a hundred or 200 bucks for every time they schedule a verified appointment. Yeah. So we, we found and, that and and, and listen and, and contractors listen closely because they're doing almost $20 million a year and people want security. They want a net of comfort when they're looking for a job. And especially when they hear the word sales commission, they're like, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. So you got something you're about to share that I can tell is unique. Yeah. So I thought about chiming in with this when you were talking about best investments that you've made. Um, so obviously it's an upfront thing. It was, it was a risk, you know, before we had any data to prove that it'd be effective, but we just knew that we were going to be marketing to a whole different pool of candidates with a salary, with benefits. And what we found was the, the productivity uh, just about tripled on average. Our average sales reps were selling like three, 400 grand a year in sales. And now most of them are closer to the million and a half mark. And I think it's just like internally in their mind, they're getting paid a salary every two weeks, they're getting a salary and it's a good salary. Like they should be able to, you know, make their ends meet. So um, 50, $50,000 salary. And then we pay them a commission based on the profitability of the job. And that grows with time. But I think the big point is that like, they don't have the option to just take, you know, all this time off because they hit their million dollars in sales or they, they had a, a couple hundred grand month or, you know, whatever, they're just not feeling it. It's, it's more of a, you know, this is your position and this is what's required of you versus 1099. 
kind of like, you know, you're kind of like having to pull them from the top all the time with 1099. You can't really have that fire under them to say, Hey man, like if you don't do this, like I'm going to cancel our subcontractor agreement with you. I mean, you could, but it's just, you, you know, it's much more like you're, you're trying to motivate them and come on, man, you're a killer. You can get out there. You can, you can earn more for yourself, but with the W2, it's like, man, uh, Tuesday morning sales meetings, you know, what, what, we're, what are you doing today? But I think just by them getting that paycheck every two weeks, they're already in their mind they're they need to be at work, you know, five, six days a week minimum. How do you, how do you track these individuals to make sure they're actually out working? So it's more of a, um, we're tracking the metrics, like how many roofs did you inspect? Um, how many contracts did you turn in? So we have minimum standards there. We, we want them turning in at least five contracts a month or a hundred grand in revenue. So if they don't hit those bare minimum standards, then we start to have um, reviews with them and say, hey, and really try to identify not just solely from a business standpoint of like, why aren't your numbers there? Like you're getting paid to produce money for the business, but like, hey man, what's going on? Like, I want to make sure that you're fulfilled. I want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling good about everything. And, you know, these metrics are down this month and I just want to, you know, chat with you about it. And most of the time you can get to the bottom of it. I'm dealing with burnout or, you know, whatever it is. And then kind of have that, have that pep talk that they need to hear to get back out there and get that momentum back up. Momentum is such a big thing in, in sales. So if, you know, it's just one little conversation to get them back on the right track, usually it's a couple of days after that and their numbers are back on track. Are you the sales manager, Aaron, or do you have somebody driving the reps? Yep. I have somebody um, in that position. So we kind of tag team it. So like I said before, I'm managing my own book of business. The sales manager has, you know, his own book of business. Um, so you, we're kind of, we're kind of tag teaming it. Nice. And do you guys use Telegram? Like, do you all use Telegram to manage, you know, to cheerlead, to get everybody excited? Or do you all have any internal app? We use Slack. Okay. Nice. So nice. Definitely. We have probably over a hundred different channels and, you know, one of them shits and giggles. One of them's leveling up. Beasts of Brookens where we'll all post our, you know, if we're doing a workout in the morning or whatever. Uh. And you know, the leadership team, we talk to each other about, you know, making sure that we're all posting in that because it's inspiring. And like, I get inspired by it too. It might be a new guy in the business and, you know, he's posting a picture of him playing a, a game of uh, pickup basketball at 6am in the morning and it inspires me. So I really, I really enjoy uh, the slack and the camaraderie from that. That group. is a high level culture building strategy right there. Can you give a, me us three to five different slack lines? You said beast of Brookins. That's for the workouts. What's another one? So we've got uh, leveling up, which is just motivational stuff. Like in like Hunter Blue just, just released a book a couple of days ago. Um, and so I posted the link to that book and said, Hey guys, like check this book out. A lot of times guys will just screenshot those motivational, you know, posters or whatever from Facebook. Um, 
you know, we've got the shits and giggles channel that's just funny stuff. Like we try to, if you don't do that, if you don't have separate channels, then it's all going to get intertwined, right? But people know, like, if you got something funny, great. We all like to have fun, but keep it in that channel. Um, Adjuster meetings, like tactical stuff too. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm looking for help. I'm double booked 9 a.m. Tuesday. Yeah, I can do it. Inbound leads, you know, for the office. If I'm in a meeting, but you know, I see an inbound lead come in, I can just screenshot it, throw it in the Slack channel, and then somebody in the office can can enter that then into the CRM and assign it out or send it to sales manager who can delegate it from there. Yeah, we got that's you know, we, we use it for everything, man. Office lunch, right? <laughs> like, what do you guys want for lunch today? Um, but it, the really cool thing about that is it's almost like the loom idea right where you almost have this book with chapters and an index and you can just go in like hey i need some motivation today all right go back and read through this stuff and yeah it's been really cool well received the the app works really good um yeah man this has been so much fun guys i want to respect y'all y'all are you know eight figure contractor like myself doing big things we've had almost an hour and bomb after bomb has been dropped the Brooken Brothers out of Wisconsin, Brookins Construction. If somebody's looking for a new home and they like what you guys are saying, how can somebody reach out to y'all? Yeah, so um, if it's a customer, we've got um, you know our website. It's brookins.com, B-R-O-O-K-E-N-S.com. Uh, if, if you got somebody that's looking to join the team, we've got uh, careers.brookins.com um google us you know we've got a google list thing facebook like we're kind of all over the place that's awesome y'all this has been so much fun hope to have y'all in round two in the future because y'all drop bomb after bomb thanks so much brandon and aaron